If you will, give him a round of applause before you take your seat. I think he's worthy of it. Amen. I would love for Stephanie just to keep playing the whole time I'm preaching. It would really help me out. <laughs> but I won't make you do that. I will call you up here later, though. Give her a little cue. Thank you so much. Guys, I'm uh, super excited to be with you this morning. I'm super excited to be, uh, to be given this opportunity by Josh to speak. You know, obviously him and his family isn't here to, this morning, but, uh, you know, we, we let them know we miss him. Uh, it's still live, by the way, so be on your best behavior. Your pastor's watching, I'm pretty sure, somewhere. Um, but I'm beyond grateful, and, you know, as we approach Christmas time, and Josh asked me to, to preach a couple weeks back, obviously I was drawn to the topic of Christmas, and uh, you know, as I was getting ready, I was like, I don't think I've ever really done a true Christmas message. So I was getting a little nervous and I was, you know, like, I want everything to be planned out perfect. It's got to have this awesome uh, sermon title so everybody can say, oh, you know, he did his homework and, you know, this is going to be a good one. And so, like, while I was doing that, I, I just, the first thing that came to my mind, well, there was like three or four, but the, the first one that stood out to me was like a gift like no other as a sermon title, right? So I start doing some research and, and, you know, or I call it research, but studying, studying my Bible and getting online for a couple of talking points. And I come across message after message of, about Christmas and, and every one of their titles had gifts somewhere in it. And I was like, well, there, there goes my plan. It just blown out the water here. I was thinking I was doing something awesome and getting ready to blow you guys away with this awesome title. And then I see it like 50 times on the web. So that's not a good Christmas uh, title sermon uniquely if you want it to be uh in the future if I were you I wouldn't pick that one but then I thought about it I'm like well it's kind of like the day after Christmas and you know Josh has already kind of give the the sermon on Christmas Eve and so I kind of can kind of get away from that a little bit so but I want to stay with that word gift in mind and I want to stay with what that means and what Jesus is doing right now in your in your life and what he's doing in my life as I'm delivering this message and what he just did through us as we worshiped and, and Stephanie played and Amanda sang and, and all that and everything you just did is continuously giving glory to God and it's allowing him to do something in your life. He's allow, you're allowing his presence to enter into your life continuously. And so I do want to speak on, here's the new, new title in case you were wondering, like, whoa, what, what did he come up with? The glue. There you go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just That's just how it worked out. God is like that sometimes. So the glue, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I got it really from a friend as I was doing some more thinking and looking at my points. I'm the kind of person that goes through my points and then comes up with a title afterward because I'm, I kind of work backwards in that aspect. But I got it from a friend because uh, whenever I was in college and running uh, track and cross country at SAU, I had a group of friends and there was a uh, you know, we, we had a big group of friends, obviously, we had the whole team, but there was an inner circle of about five of us, six of us, that were kind of closer than the others. And uh, I have one friend, and his name is Philip. And he actually, one time, he was kind of, he, he was a bigger guy. He's like 6'4", he would always go work out. And so he's not really the, what you would think, the sentimental type, but he really is a sentimental type. Uh, he cried at, at mine and Siri's wedding and everything. And so he's, he's a really good friend. Don't tell him I told you that. I hope he's not watching. But anyway, um, he, he had like an open heart conversation with me one time. And, you know, he said, you know, uh, Eric, I really appreciate your friendship because I kind of feel like 
you, you are the glue that holds us together. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, just kind of laughing. You know, we didn't want to make it an awkward moment. And uh, he was like, no, I just kind of feel like when you're, when you're not around, the rest of us kind of don't, we don't jibe like we do when you're with us. Like you kind of ease us all together, right? He said, you're kind of like the glue to all of us. Because if you're not there and it's like me and two of the others or three of the others, it's not the same. And so, you know, that came to my mind of just the topic of glue and holding stuff together. And I was like, there it is. God's presence is the glue in our life. God's presence is the glue that holds everything together. It connects everything. And without it, we are in pieces. Without it, things are not the same. We know that there's something missing. We can feel and sense that something isn't right, that something is in, that something is in pieces. There's an obvious void that cannot be filled with someone or something else or anything else because it belongs to Jesus, because it belongs to his presence. It belong, he has a specific spot in your life that nothing else can replace. No matter what you try to fill it up with, intentionally or unintentionally, his presence belongs in that gap. Having God's presence is important in your life. And there's someone who understood that. And that someone is Moses. And we know a lot about Moses, right? Moses is, is one of the most phenomenal men in the Bible. And mostly because of his relationship that he had with God. And the way that they were just kind of so close and everything that they did and every step that Moses took, even though he wasn't sure about it, right? We can take steps and not be 100% sure about it, but we can still be obedient. And I love that he would do that constantly. And so I've got a bunch of scripture for you. And so I don't want to, you know, waste time having you chase me around. Just kind of listen. But Exodus 33, 14 says, um, if I can get there, sorry. Exodus 33, 14 says, that in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeemed each of my firstborn sons. And then it goes on later to say in uh, 33... Sorry, that was, that, was not, that was not the right verse. I'm sorry about that. 33, 14, here we go. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's what he says. And then Moses replies, this is what he says. He says, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. Because how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all of the people on the face of the earth? And what I love here is because, like, you may not realize it, but Moses is actually kind of testing God right here. He's kind of, he's trying to get God to do something, right? And, and what he's trying to get him to do is he's trying to get God to reveal himself. I mean, who wouldn't, right? If, if I'm Moses and I'm a man and God is God and everything that he is and everything that I'm not, and, you know, why, why would I not try to convince him to let me see more of himself? And we know that we, can, we are not physically able to see God because of our humanity and sin that separates us from him. But Moses is testing him in this aspect. And he wants to manage to see what no one has, has seen before. He wants to be as close to God as he can in his human state. And so what happens here, what we see is he places a high value on God's presence. And so God, having favor upon Moses, 
allows Moses to see his back as he hides him in the cleft in the rock. And if you continue to read, that's what he does. What I want you to see is that God's presence brings peace and it gives us rest. That's what Moses is wanting is he's wanting for God to give him rest in the sense of knowing that other people know who is walking with him and with the people of Israel. And so the reoccurring theme, as I was looking through my notes, in the Bible, no matter where you look, it's God's promises saying, I am with you. I am with you. Or I will be with you. Or I will go with you. Or I will go before you. And I love that because what it tells me is that his, what he wants, his desire, is that he wants to dwell among us. He wants to dwell among his children, sons and daughters, you and me. Your name, insert your name right there. He wants to dwell among you. And maybe that sounds fancy, but he just wants to be with you. That's all he wants. He wants to be with you in every moment of your life. Even the times when you feel not the most worthy person in the world. He wants to be right there with you because he has a plan for you. And so when we talk about being with you, I think a quality time. And, it, and I'm glad my wife is here so she can kind of hear this part. But she's really big on quality time. We all know our, the love languages and what they are. But she loves just being, like, around me and just loves, you know, laughing and just doing random things together, even if we're just sitting at home. We were quarantined for two weeks back in February, and that was the best time of her life. Well, besides the fact that she had a couple symptoms. But, you know, she loved just being around me, or at least I think so. Don't, don't say anything if you disagree. But don't get me wrong. She loves, when, you know, whenever... I clean the house or whenever I cook or do something for her, but she would prefer just to be with me, just to be with me. And I thought about that when I was thinking through this because it's, it's a comparison to what God wants out of us. He wants, he loves, you know, that we want to do so much for him. He loves that we want to do so much for his kingdom, but everything has a balance. And we make a mistake when we try to sum up God to just, you know, our Lord, or, or try to sum up our relationship with him as a, a servant and king type relationship. He is the king of kings, but he doesn't want us to just sum him up and just, you know, see him just in that aspect. He doesn't want us just working for him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants to walk with us. We can't overlook spending time with our father we can't overlook spending time in his presence because that's where he wants us to be above all things he wants us to be there and that brings me to a story in luke 10 38 and it says we're going to read 38 to 42 and it's about mary and martha and it says as jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named martha opened her house to him she had uh she had a sister called mary who had at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said, she sat. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So she's mad, right? And I had this relationship with my, with my brother. Uh, he's about a year and a half younger than me growing up. And, you know, I was always the one cleaning. And I got smart to the point where I would Pay, you know, pay him to do some of my chores, uh, that kind of fix things. But I totally relate to her in this aspect. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. This is Jesus. 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. We get caught up in what we think will please God, and we pull out our checklist of how we can justify perhaps the lost time with God, with certain acts and with certain deeds, and we end up getting more overwhelmed after we try to get things in order because we overlook what is most important. Jesus said, here in this scripture, but few things are needed. And then he corrected himself. He said, or indeed, only one. Actually, there's just one thing that's needed right now in this moment. Spend time with your father. Spend time with your heavenly father. And I know you've had those times with God where you just kind of, you know, you're unraveling in his presence and you're just being honest and letting the tears flow and it feels great. You know, your, your ugly faces are on full display. The makeup is, is out of this world now and you feel great, right? But why is that? It's because you allow you, yourself to find peace and to find joy in his presence because that's what his presence brings to us. And we're going to look at a couple of promises and, and benefits that his, that his presence brings to us. And so I want you to say to your neighbor, God's presence is promised. And then turn to the other neighbor and say, God's presence is promised. But you got to say it because they, they might not know it or they, not, they might be doubting it a little bit. So you got to say it to them. God's presence is promised. It's promised to his children. And this promise brings forth other blessings in your life. And so we're going to look at a couple of those today. And so I'm going to read, first of all, from 1 John 1, 3. And it says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. God's presence will give you companionship. Because if your only companionship comes from other people, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, spouse, you know, best friend, cousin. If your only companionship comes from other people, then you will experience failure. And you will experience letdowns, right? Raise your hand if you've never let anybody down in, in your life. I didn't think so. And I'm going to put my down because that's not me either, right? We, we, we are prone to that. It is a weakness of our humanity. So we constantly need the companionship of someone who is perfect. And that's Jesus. And I love this because he ends it. He says, he talks about fellowship, right? With the Father and the Son and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And he finishes it saying, we write this to make our joy complete. And we're going to look at that point later. But it's so important that we relate God's presence to the word joy. To the word joy. God's presence also gives us guidance. And... That is extremely, extremely important to us because indecisiveness and misdirection is a real problem for Christians and especially young Christians because we often want to do our best to please God. We reach crossroads where, you know, we, we, we could, you know, do this, but we, we kind of feel guilty because we don't see how God is involved in it. Or we kind of want to become this in life, but we don't see how God is involved in it. And so... We aren't sure how to let him use us, but you have to dive into his presence so that you can have guidance from the Lord. Because God's presence, and this is important, will guide your life into his purpose. God's presence 
will guide your life into the plan that he has for your life. And so if you don't know where to start, if you're at, if you're at a crossroads where you've got to choose going right or left and you're not 100% sure, you've got to start by going into his presence so he can walk with you on whatever turn you choose. And so I want to read from uh, uh, Exodus 13, the one actually I read earlier. It says in, in verse 21, By the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. And neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I love that last part. Verse 22 says that his guidance, right, the cloud and the column of fire, never never, that's a big word, left its place in front of his people. Being in God's presence gives us access 24-7 to what God wants for us. It gives us access 24-7 to his guidance in our life, and he will never leave you. Remember, we talked about companionship and failure. He cannot fail. It is not in his nature. He will never fail you. His presence also gives us comfort. And when we think of comfort, sometimes we think that's a bad thing, right? Because we don't ever want to be too comfortable in his presence because then, then we think about, you know, being too much in our comfort zone and, 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 and not doing what God has called us to do in our lives because we get comfortable with the little things. However, what this sense is talking about is the way that we need him in the middle of whatever storm we're going through. We need him in, what, in the middle of whatever the enemy is trying to plant on our lives. In Psalm 23, 4, it says, even though I walk through what? The darkest valley. It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then notice what it says next. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? So he brings us comfort in the middle of the darkest of darks, in the middle of deepest of depths, in the middle of hardest of trials and impossibilities, he brings us comfort in the middle of the uncomfortable. He brings us comfort in the middle of what the enemy has planned for your life because he schemes as well, right? And he knows your potential. He knows what you can do. He knows who you can become. He knows what God wants you to be. And he cannot let that happen. He's going to do the very best that he can to not let that happen. But God says, you know what? My presence will make you comfortable in the middle of all that. In the middle of all the turmoil that he's trying to bring to your life, you will know that I am there with you. Can I get an amen to that? God's presence gives us favor and blessings. And I love this one, right? Who doesn't love blessings and favor? Amen. A favor you know, when you think about it, it's someone doing something for you that perhaps you didn't deserve. It's someone doing something, you know, like doing a solid for you or, or holding a door open for you. You know, you, you didn't deserve that, right? You deserve to go up there and open your own door. But they did it for you. Somebody who, who you know, you, you're a dollar short in the grocery line and they give you that extra dollar or $2 or $5. Or you're going through the McDonald's line and you get up there to pay and... The person in front of you already paid for you. That's favor. Someone doing something for you that perhaps you didn't deserve, right? And let me tell you, God has favor for his children, for his kids. God displays this favor throughout your life 
there have been moments and opportunities where God has shown you favor. If God has shown you favor, go ahead and say amen right now. He gave you favor, perhaps in a new job, perhaps with, with your superior, job superior, super advisor, whatever, or favor in relationships with others. But, you know, me and my wife, we used to have these conversations and when we first started dating, she talked to me about this and I didn't really think about it until she said it in this certain, in this certain way. But we would go, be going through to stores, Target, and all, you know how women live at Target. Um, and, we, you know, we're driving, looking around for a parking spot, and all of a sudden, the one at the very front opens up, and that car pulls out. It's like, it's like it was just meant to be, right? And, and so she would, she would say, oh, look at God's favor. And I'm just over here, you know, kind of laughing lightly because I'm like, oh, that, that's funny. And I'm like, wait, what if it's, what if it's for real? Like, like, God has that kind of favor over us. God has that kind of favor over his children. And, and when she said it that way, it kind of just stuck with me. And I understood more what God's favor actually meant in our lives. Because having favor from the Lord means that he is willing to pour blessings over you, even though you didn't know you needed it. He looks out for you even though you didn't see it coming. He protects you even though you didn't know what was behind you or what was to come ahead of you. That is favor that he has for you. The opportunities and the doors that continuously open in your life and that feel that, that you're just like, it just worked out. No, that's God's favor in your life. And it is a result of being in his presence. It is a blessing that comes with being in his presence. Favor is a doorway for blessings. Another one is God's presence wins battles. And this one's, this one's obvious, right? Raise your hand if you're going through a battle right now. There's something, you know, even in the, you're like, but it's Christmas. How are we going through battles? Like, I haven't even been to work. You know, we got the day off. get to spend time with my family. There's always a battle in your life, the battle of your mind, the battle of anxiety, the battle of depression. There's always ways that the enemy is trying to sneak in into your life and just ruin everything. He's like the Grinch. Well, probably worse than the Grinch. And, and I love, you know, I, I love what this scripture says in Deuteronomy uh, 20, verse 4. It says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. He is fighting it for you. And it doesn't say, you know, he's going to fight it for you and see if he can win. Or see if you can maybe get the victory. Or see if maybe, maybe you can, you know, come out of this one. Barely, by the hair of your chin. No, it says to give you victory. It is a solid promise. God is solid in what he is going to do for you. You will have victory in whatever battle you're going through in this moment. It is a given. I love it because God has so much confidence. It's like... I picture like a boxing ring and like, like the enemy's a noob or a novice who just steps in there and then God walks up there and it's like Mike Tyson and it's like, oh, it's over. For those of you that know sports and boxing, some of you are like, I don't even know who that is. But for those of you who know this reference, it's like, it's over. There's no way he stands a chance. It's over from the first bell, right? And, and I love that because that is the certainty that we need to have when we have God's presence. We're so solid, right? Perhaps things come and they try to shake us up and, and they try to, you know, rock our boat a little bit and get us off our feet. But when you're in God's presence, you're completely certain that God will give you victory. Are you afraid? Yeah. Was Peter afraid? Yeah. But you are still certain that God will give you 
victory. He's always, always outdoing the enemy. Whatever the enemy thinks he can do, God can do better. The battle that the enemy thinks he's winning, God says, I'm winning the war. I love it. I love it. And so I want you to say to your neighbor, God has already won. Go ahead and say that. But like, like you mean it. Like you're, like you're solid, convinced about it. God has already won. And if you don't have somebody sitting beside you, say it to me. But I love this last one. God's presence brings joy. And I think this is perhaps a, one of the most important because many of us, we look for joy in the wrong places. We look for happiness in other places. But that's what not having God's presence does for you. That's the result of not having and living and being in his presence daily or not having the Holy Spirit. We end up searching for happiness, which is dependent upon what is happening, and it's not permanent. It's dependent upon circumstances, time frame, but it's not permanent. And, and so you or certain people or whoever, we might go to a bar on Friday night and they have these things or Saturday night and they call it happy hour. And, and you may find happiness for that hour. That's why they call it happy hour because it only lasts an hour. But joy isn't just an hour. Joy isn't happy hour. It's not called joy hour. It's called happy hour for a reason. The Bible speaks of a joy that lasts forever. The Bible speaks of a joy that the Lord is giving you to give you strength because it will sustain you. Joy will sustain you. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. It's founded in his presence. And happiness will only take you for a roller coaster ride. Oftentimes we're searching for happiness w without knowing it. Right? We don't, I'm not guilting you. Sometimes we don't even realize it. We don't search with the intention of maintaining God's presence. And that's what we have to do. And in Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. I'll say that again. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Where do we find the joy? In his presence. And then it says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Right? Not, not our pleasures, like H-O-U-R pleasures, not two-hour pleasures, not 24-hour pleasures. It says eternal pleasures. And what, I, and what I love about this part is it really takes full sincerity to enjoy God's presence. You can't walk in half-hearted. You can't walk in reserving something back, holding something back. You can't share your attention with anything else. God says it's all or it's nothing, right? You can't serve two lords. You, your attention can't be thinking about the stuff that will bring you happiness when God's trying to give you eternal joy. There's no room in the eternal for temporary things. And God's presence is here to bring you joy. And so what I love about this season is that we are reminded constantly of the access that we are granted by the best gift in the world, which is Jesus Christ, God's presence. Jesus tells us to pray and shows us how to pray in Matthew 6.10 when he talks about, uh, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer and he says part of the prayer, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes we, we, we speed through that part because it's, it's common with sports teams and stuff like that. But you are, it's telling you to pray heavenly things into earth. It's telling you to pray celestial, I mean eternal things into your normalcy that surrounds you. That's what this prayer is telling you to do, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, the glory, the presence that is, that is uh, the, the habitat of heaven, we want it here on earth. You pray heaven into your earth each time you dive into his presence, just as God sent Jesus into the earth. It's the same thing. He's sending heaven unto the earth. And so this season is about heaven touching earth. His whole mission is to dwell among his beloved, among his people, among his children. That's you even if you don't feel like it in this moment. That's you even if you say, no, there's no way that's me. There's no way he would want to sit beside me. I'm the most boring ever. I'm the most dirtiest ever. Or, or you know, I don't act like this 24-7. I'm not who I am, all the, uh, who I say I am all the time. But God wants to dwell with you. Or even if you feel like you don't deserve it, he wouldn't have it any other way. Jesus wouldn't have it any other way. If you need this today, Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you, and that's beautiful. I, I love, but beyond anything else that comes as a benefit, I love the way that he chooses us each and every single time. You know, when we go to buy vehicles or homes and stuff like that, we're always looking at the, at the imperfections. We're always looking at what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that. And we're looking for reasons not to buy it, looking for reasons not to choose it. But when God looks at each one of us, he looks beyond that. He says, 50 dents, I'll take it. I want you each and every single time. And I think that that is so, I think that's so beautiful. I think that that's so unique to the nature of God. I'm here to remind you today that if your relationship with Jesus is patchy, or perhaps you haven't been feeling his guidance. You haven't been in his presence. Or perhaps you feel like you're in pieces right in this moment. Your world is in pieces. Well, we have the glue. It's better than super glue. It's better than duct tape or crazy glue or, or gorilla glue or somebody throw something else at me. Flex glue or anything else like that. All together. Times infinity. No job is too hard for his presence. It's the perfect time of the year, and that brings me to my last point. And I want to go ahead and ask Stephanie if you'll come up, and, and Amanda, if y'all come up and join me. That brings me to my last point. God's presence restores us. God's presence restores us. And he is always putting things back together. He is in, he is in the business of putting things and people back together even as we worship even as we even as you're listening to me right now and you're having that discipline to listen to me even as as you pray with your family you gather around during dinner time or, or, or bedtime or in the morning and pray with them or even as you listen to music christian music on the way to work and, and just kind of worship and, and whisper prayers to him he's restoring because the moment you try to step into his presence, he starts restoring. 
the moment you put a foot in there, it's like you have full access to everything that his presence brings. He's working behind the scenes, putting things together, restoring, already moving things in your favor. There's that word again, in your favor. And so if there's anything I want you to grasp today, it's that his presence is the glue to our lives. And I want to read in Job 42.10, it says, After Job had prayed for his friends, and the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Restored all of his fortunes. And let me tell you, if you didn't know, Job lost a lot. A lot. Actual possession, livestock, family, everything. But God was able to restore. I think it's the biggest example of how there's nothing that he can't restore. Because he doesn't just give it back. It says that it was, it was even greater than what it was before. It was twice as much as it was before. And after Job had been through it all, it says that he prayed. And prayer means God's presence. Right? If I'm talking to you right now, I have to be in your vicinity. I have to be in your presence, right? I can't go down, Colin Ray, and go to Walmart and still hope that you can hear me. You have to be near to God to be in his presence. Prayer draws you near to his presence. And so we're going to try that out today. His presence is the glue. His presence is perfect, and there's something about it. The Holy Spirit and I got one more example for you. And I'm sorry, I just feel like, especially now that I've become a teacher, I use a lot of examples and comparisons and metaphors. So I got one more. His presence is perfect. But it's, it's kind of like electricity and it's kind of like power. You don't acknowledge it all the time, right? But you definitely know when it's not there. You definitely know when something's wrong. And if you feel like there's something missing in your life. If you feel just, it's not, it's almost there, it's almost perfect, but it's not quite perfect. It's God's presence. You don't really acknowledge it, but you definitely know when something is wrong. You definitely know that when it's gone. And as we close out this year, we're gonna sing a song here in a minute. My invitation to you is to make this personal. I believe this is our last service of the year. Hopefully, don't hold me to that. But I want to invite you to come home in his presence. I want to invite you to the place where you belong. I want to invite you into the place where he is restoring and rebuilding. And it's beautiful. And I've always heard this saying that if it's not beautiful, then God is not finished. And I think that he's got a lot of work to do in us. I think he's got a lot of restoring to do. So it's not just here in this building. And we're going to open up the altar if you want to come forth. But it's not just here. It's wherever you go, God's presence goes with you. The reoccurring thing, I am with you. I will go before you. It's his promise. It is, his presence is promised to his people. So this morning, the altar is open. If you want to stand, if you want to get on your knees, if you want to just hold hands with your family, if you want to come forth, whatever it is, we're going to sing this song together. And I want you to just 
open your heart to God? What does that look like? What, what, how do I do that? Well, it's pretty simple, right? When you want to get a message across to somebody, you just start speaking to them. If you want to tell somebody how you feel, you got to open your mouth. If you want to, if you got something important to say to somebody, if you don't ever say anything, the message will never get across. So this morning, as you begin to, to, to get into his presence, you got to open your mouth. You got to speak. You're not speaking to yourself. There's a heavenly father that's not far out there. He's right beside you and he's listening. And he says, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what's on your heart. He's here today. He's got the glue. His presence is ready to restore.